Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Yo, what's good? What's happening, Rush Nation? It's episode 71 of Five Yard College, and my boy is back. Yes, Ash, we talked about it a little while ago, how you were one-on-one off with you living your best life right now, and i just seen you book the trip to Vegas, so I'm hoping that you managed to actually come back from that one. Welcome back, my man. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing very well. You're right, booked a trip to Vegas this week for next September, so... Yeah, be, I can't tell you if I'm going to be coming back or not yet. It remains to be seen, but I've already convinced the lads that we even need to do a uh, a college game or an NFL game. So hopefully, but the Raiders or the University in Las Vegas are are playing when we go over. So what about Nevada? and Nevada? Where where do they? Oh, Nevada as well. Yeah. Do you, oh yeah. I know Carson Strong won't be there next year. So. Yeah, they might have a good team playing. You never know. Could do, yeah, yeah. You might be able to. Oh, there's, there we go. There's a few options, isn't there? Let's hope yeah. one of them are at home. And you and LV tend to play on a Friday night as well, so you might be able to get mm. there on a Friday night. Yeah, oh, I yeah, mean, if we can do Friday I'm night for us. I, I, I don't know whether it's Friday night for them. But where, uh, where, both. where, where are you staying? Uh, we are staying at the Luxor, which is the pyramid. Yeah, um, now the pyramid hotel looks ridiculous oh yeah i can't wait it's gonna be great there's a we stayed in the mandalay bay which is just further down the strip from luxor yeah we had a look at that and uh there's a, a monorail that runs between that the medieval themed one luxor and one other so you can like jump between the four real quick if you nice. if you get if you get lost but yeah it's uh oh, i can't it's, wait it's unbelievable like you'll get destroyed just through Sheer, sheer being there, but it is, it is, <laughs> it is fantastic. Anyway, Rush Nation, we digress. Week nine, Ash. It was uh, there was some some serious scores, some big implications in the AP poll. Am I right in thinking that the playoff rankings are here or just about to drop, or is that next week? Um, I 
I, th- I think it, they drop at the, I think if they drop at some point this week, um, let's have a quick look. It's definitely within the next two weeks. Um, I'm pretty sure it's at some point this week. Playoffs. It, it, am I right? This is showing my naivety here. Do the AP polls still happen whilst the playoff rankings are also out, or do they merge into one? What's the deal? Uh, they merge into one. Um, I'm just having a look. I can't see. They are talking about. Oh, uh, tomorrow night. Oh, so we are a day yeah. early. And... We are a day early, yeah. And um, normally the podcast would drop on a Wednesday, but as we are now moving to a Tuesday drop, we won't have missed it anyway, Ash. So that's right. there won't be news not on the pod from that news. So we might have to drop an emergency pod later in the week or something, depending on how the rankings flip. But we'll get to that a little bit later. We are going to have some news, some conference corner. There's no injury corner this week. I'm not sure whether that's because Ash left it out or because... <laughs> which just, there just wasn't anything relevant. Got a bit of Heisman watch. Of course, we're going to talk some rankings and some results. And if we have time, Rush Nation, we will get to the five-yard showdown because there's the closest game in a fantasy football matchup I have ever seen, ever. And I am in some... I am in a stupid amount of leagues and have been for the last five years. So for me to say that, it must be close. Hold on to your hats, because if you do get to know that score, it is frighteningly close. Ash, let's start with some news. I saw this earlier on today. I didn't know if you'd put it in the doc, but you have. TCU and head coach Gary Patterson have mutually agreed to part ways. The board had originally wanted Patterson to continue to the end of the year before transitioning to a new head coach in 2022. But Patterson believed it was best for him to move on immediately. He had been in charge of TCU since 2000 and held a 181 and 79 record, but the team had struggled this year with a three and five overall record and a one in four in conference play in the Big 12. I can understand Gary Patterson wanting to leave straight away rather than see out his tenureship if things aren't going as smoothly as perhaps they'd have wanted. Do you think he's done the right thing in leaving now, or do you think he should have seen out his tenureship? It's difficult. I think he believes that him leaving now is in the best interest of, of the programme and the players. But I, I I kind of see where the programme was coming for, that they wanted it to remain him until the end of the year and then he moved on because you've then still got that sense of they have still time to look for the right coach. Um, there's still, Patson is still there in charge and there's not people aren't going to be learning the new playbook of whoever comes in. And it just makes that transition from the off season into the post, the preseason, that little bit easier. Whereas now I think they've got a, I think they've got an interim head coach who's probably going to have it to the end of the year. Right. Uh, but now you've just sort of almost got that like in between that little, that little bit of mess. So I do see why TCU wanted him to stick around. But at the same time, if you know you're leaving and it's not, been the best of years to date. I also understand why Patterson would want to decide this is it. I'm, I'm going. I'm going now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think maybe the the result against SMU a few weeks ago. I don't know when this news was broke. Has it been out for a while that he'll be leaving at the end of the season? Was it, or is it broke and then he's he's gone because he didn't want to stay? Yeah, it's broke, and then it's because he didn't want to stay. It was sort of all done in one. It wasn't that he had said he was going to leave. They had said he's going to leave at the end of the year, and then he's changed his mind. It it seems as though 
it's been done in a one they've gone, will you stay to the end of the year? But we're going to leave. Yeah. We're going to let you leave at the end of the year. And he's just gone. No, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go now and, uh, and, and leave it at that. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it, it's very reminiscent of the USC job that's currently being held by an interim coach. It was quite nice to see actually the, when, uh, not USC, but the Texas Tech, they've got an interim coach as well at the moment. And it was good to see him and the Oklahoma Sooners coach, Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Yeah. They Apparently they were teammates uh, when coaching way back in the day. So they, they it was good to see they had a bit of a joke and stuff on the sideline because sometimes coaches can be a little bit, I don't know, a bit cold towards each other especially in college because this it's not as if the NFL where there's only 32 coaches. There's so many college coaches yeah. and history runs deep and stuff like that. So I wonder if if it's going to be a similar thing to the USC where the guy will come in and just see out the rest of the season until the new playbook can be installed in the offseason. And perhaps Gary Patterson's playbook is still used regardless of whether he's there or not. Yeah, I, I think I think so. I think they're going to want to take their time to find the right coach um, long term and I do believe um, the guy who has come in um, or the guy who has taken over is um, he was already there um, yeah Jerry Kill so he was the assistant to the head coach so it's not like it's a brand new person he he's he's essentially going to be carrying on what Patterson was doing this year so I don't see I won't see any drastic changes on the on the um, playbook side of things I can't imagine anyway yeah, talking of USC, and probably their only bright spark of the season has been Drake London, but unfortunately he is out for the season after it was confirmed he fractured his ankle in the victory over Arizona this Saturday. With London being draft eligible in 2022, we may have seen the last of him in a USC jersey. Now, this is horrendous news for one of the star receivers of this year in college football, Ash, considering what he's having to play with at USC right now. But not only that, it's terrible news from the showdown as he is my wide receiver one. So as much as I feel bad for USC, they're not doing anything right now, whereas I'm surging in the showdown and Drake London missing. Obviously, Drake London missing for himself and his draft stock and stuff is, is terrible news. It is terrible news for his draft stock, but on uh, what on the plus side is what he's done to, the, to date this year has been great for him. I think he, I think he's third in the... Uh, receiving rankings in the nation uh, and he was one of up uh, up until this point I think he was one of the favorites for the wide receiver um awards the Fred's uh Belenkov uh, Belenkov there we go okay. <laughs> yeah. I think he was one of I think he was the favorite for it up until up until yeah. this point so and he's had he's, like I say he's had a great year I think he's had a hundred plus yard games in six of the seven games he's been involved with despite usc having not the best year so <laughs> it's a massive blow for him personally but i think yeah. he's probably done enough to be one of the top wide receivers in this 2022 class now on but subject to how he recovers from this this injury fortunately i mean it's still a fractured ankle but fortunately it's a fractured ankle the rehabilitation depending on how how bad the, the fracture is and if he's had surgery or if it is the case of just obviously cast and and then rehabbing it. Depending on how bad that injury is, we should hopefully see him back in the off season for his for his preparation for the NFL draft. But but nonetheless, it's a blow for blow for him personally, and it's a massive blow for USC because he is their top weapon at the moment, or was yeah, the top weapon. He has been the only bright spark in that team, and has been single handedly keeping them 
in some games and, and had a massive game against Arizona. So, yeah, that's a shame. Ash, we've talked about Utah recently and and how they've had some, some sad situations and they've confirmed that they are going to retire the number 22 jersey in honour of Aaron Lowe and Ty Jordan. They have also created scholarships in the two players' names and they debuted 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 a tribute video against Arizona State on October the 16th and the video will be played at every home game so Utah uh, are signifying here just how important those two guys were to the program and and how their memory shall be held going forward yeah it's a really nice touch from the program for the for for both of these kids families and um, as we mentioned when the when the news about Lowe had, uh, had broken he had taken over the 22 from from Ty Jordan who unfortunately died last year um, and then obviously now the, what happened, the unfortunate news that happened with Lowe. And it's a nice touch from Utah. And I believe this is the first time they've ever retired a jersey for, in their program history. So it is a it is a fitting tribute for, for both of these both of these young lads. Wow. I wonder how many programs have no retired jerseys. Yeah, that's, very, that's an interesting one, actually. I don't I can't imagine. I can't imagine there's very many. No, because you think even the smaller teams, if they've had one one yeah. guy go to the draft, I mean, I I, I don't know whether uh, NDSU will retire Trey Lance's number, but that's a that's a huge potential, yeah, potential there and and that sort of thing. So it'd be interesting to know how many there are. Let's move on. So sources from ESPN are reporting that LSU quarterback Miles Brennan is set to enter the transfer portal. Brennan has not appeared for LSU this season after breaking his left non-throwing arm in a fishing trip that required surgery. So questions here, Ash. Mm -hmm. What fish broke his arm? (laughs) (laughs) Because that must have been some fishing trip. And Miles Brennan, how far along his collegiate career is he? And where do we think he's likely to to land? The land situation is, the landing spot is going to be a very interesting situation. I think he will arguably be a starter wherever he lands or at least fighting and probably be a favorite for the for the job but depending on where he goes yeah um i have a feeling he is in his senior year um but he missed almost all of last year um to injury i think he started the first three games of the season and then was injured for the rest of it i want to say that was a shoulder injury and then obviously of course he's not played at all this year so i can imagine uh, I can imagine he'll be red shirted. So he's either going to see out the rest of the year with a program. I'm not sure how far away he is from being back from, from this injury. He did it early in the off season. So broken arm, he had surgery. I, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see him this year, but he might well take advantage of that red shirt year. And, and we see him back again next year. Uh, but he's, he's got, He's not a lot of time left. And unfortunately, his career has been impacted heavily, not only by injuries, but of course, he he was the backup to Joe Burrows as well. And then, of course, the year that was supposed to be his breakout year, he, he injured his shoulder after three games. And then this year again was going to be his big year. And and he's missed the whole year of a broken arm. And, and Max Johnson has, has obviously stepped in. And he clearly feels it's time for him to move on and try and get a, one last throw of the dice before he before he goes from college i don't i don't expect to see him in the nfl if we do it's going to be as a as a perennial backup or potentially an undrafted but yeah it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see where exactly he ends up so ash i'm going to take it from that that you're not a fisherman no 
No, not no, at all. No, no, me neither. But I know you land a fish. So my sort of pun about where he lands flew straight over your head. Hopefully yeah, there's there's some massively. fishermen out there who appreciate that fishing joke. I'm going to go for catfish. Now, I know that down in Louisiana, they love a bit of catfishing. I'm going to go with catfish broke his arm. If it wasn't a catfish, it's a good story. Don't at us. We're just we're just we're just out there chewing the uh, chewing the cud, <laughs> filling the breeze, that sort of business. Ash, last week, Jack, Jord, and myself talked some conference realignment, and mm-hmm. there is some more news to do with World Conference USA to the Sun Belt. Um, Marshall, Old Dominion, and South Mississippi have confirmed they will be leaving Conference USA to the Sun Belt Conference. This brings the total to nine teams leaving the. Conference USA. The Sun Belt is also still looking to bring FCS program James Madison to their conference. So the Sun Belt is uh, really expanding. Conference USA is in, is in a spot of bother. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, f- I believe if Madison join, they are up to 17 teams in the Sun Belt. Now, we may see a couple of teams leave from that to go to another conference because it, it, it looks as though there's going to be a massive amount of shakeup between 23 and 25 with with all of these teams moving around those sort of those sort of dates so i think the earliest that someone can leave is 23 and from the looks of it majority are going to be 23 24 we might see some spillover into the following year as well um but yeah i think it leaves it leaves some belt with 17 programs at this if they get james madison and i think it leaves conference usa with five that are not that have not said they're going anywhere. They've got five committed programs uh, currently on, on the book. So they're going to be having to do some major uh, major recruitment of programs in the next few weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's not all bad news for Conference USA. As you mentioned, they need to do some recruiting with Liberty, New Mexico State and UConn all being reported to be going through negotiations to join Conference USA. There's a couple of names to start the, the list already. Yeah, exactly. There's 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 a few teams there, and unsurprising. I mean, UConn have uh, we, we we spoke about them earlier in the year quite a lot, just because of how dreadful they've been this year. Obviously, of course, Liberty have got Malik Willis. He's not going to be there next year, but they they're they're a good program, and New Mexico State as well. They, uh, they it's it's going to be numbers for them, and I think that's the that's the main concern for Conference USA at the minute. So yeah, if they yeah. can get those guys in, it's a start to the replacements. I think you're probably going to be wanting at least one or two more to get it to a to get it to like a ten a ten conference, um, a ten team conference. Yeah, I mean UConn are pretty much a basketball school, right? Yeah, uh, well that's they're... it. I think so. Um, Liberty and New Mexico State are going to come over in all in all forms to the Conference USA, so right. all sports. Whereas UConn are going to remain in the Big East for their basketball program, I believe. It's a football only transfer if it goes ahead. Gotcha. And then finally, the MAC, which is the Mid Mid American Conference, are also looking to expand their conference with Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky being touted as possible new additions. Yeah, I think the MAC have dropped off somewhat this year barring a couple of teams last year I think they were one of the big group of five conferences with some of the teams they had um within the within the within the conference and they appear they seem to have taken a slight backward step with whereas um the Sun Belt and the Mountain West and uh sort of took a step forward so I think they're looking to bring in some some more some more teams western kentucky have had some good results this year as well so i think that could be a big pickup if they manage to bring them in 
But again, like I say, it's a massive shake-up across the board at the moment, in particular now in the group of five. And then, of course, we've already mentioned multiple times about the SEC and Texas and Oklahoma and, and the Big 12. So it's going to be a very interesting few years from, from 2023 just to see how big this shake-up is going to be. And we've not seen one of these for, I think it was... Um, 2013, 2014 was the last big shakeup, which was TCU and the like moving out, moving to Big 12. And yeah, this is probably going to be one of the biggest conference shakeups we've seen in 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 quite some time. Yeah, it's it's as we mentioned, well, Jack mentioned last week. It's it's all to do with chasing the money. So yeah, massively, it's, it, massively. It, it's going to be interesting to see where the the pennies fall on on all of these conferences going forward. Right, Ash, let's talk some Heisman watch. Bryce Young is still the six to four favorite. Mm-hmm. CJ Stroud is now second at ten to three. Kenneth Walker, after his absolute monster performance against Michigan, is eleven to two, and Matt Corral is eleven to two, which surprises me. Is there anybody else you've left off this Heisman list that you think's in with contention? And of these four, perhaps if they're your favorites, who do you think's going to going to bring it home? Yeah, there's probably a couple more names worth mentioning. Kenny Pickett, the quarterback from Pitt. Um, no, no, I, he's he didn't have sure. no I, I mean he's up there when it comes to the the odds he's still he's still there or thereabouts Caleb Williams is still being spoken about we're getting sort of a bit further uh, further afoot now I think these four are the main four you've got Sam Hartman as well from Wake Forest who's who has been in conversation I think he's a real outside shot but realistically uh, barring some miracle now we're probably looking at one of these four players as you say, um, Kenneth Walker this week has done himself a, a massive fate. Like he's done, he's done his stock a world of good. Um, he's had an unbelievable year already, and and obviously he just added to that this weekend. I think he's up to fourteen touchdowns now, fourteen, fifteen touchdowns, over a thousand yards. I think comfortably over a thousand yards already. He's it's crazy. Yeah, he's looking, he's looking incredible, and I think. If anybody, if any non-quarterback can win it this year, like we had with um, with Devontae Smith last year as a wide receiver, it's going to be Kenneth Walker. <sighs> Me personally, I think the pen, Stroud unfortunately didn't do himself any favors this week. He didn't have the best of games. The Ohio State offense as a whole didn't have the best of games. They they relied on the defense somewhat against Penn State to get the win. But I think if he can have some big games, he's got Purdue and. Um, I can't remember who else they've got, but we finished with Michigan and Michigan State. And we mentioned it a few weeks ago when we spoke about the Heisman and you were quite confident that if he has some big numbers in these final few run-ins, it could well be his to lose. Matt Corral didn't have a great week against Auburn. Um, So, I mean, he's not done himself any favours. I think realistically, Bryce Young's the strong favourite for a reason. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win it if I, from a personal perspective, Point of view, I would hope I would like CJ Stroud to win it, but <laughs> you realistically, I think any four of these guys could still arguably win this, win the Heisman at this present moment in time. I think these next few weeks and and potentially the playoffs as well for for three out of these four guys, their teams could be in the playoffs. I, I would say probably maybe two of them will be in the playoffs, but. Uh, Michigan State and Ohio State still have a still have a shot of getting in there, and obviously Alabama are in there at the moment. So, I mean, 
yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting one, and it's it's almost it's it's almost if not more exciting as it was last year, and I think and, and there isn't a clear winner, much like there wasn't up until a point last year either. Yeah, I, Kenneth Walker was was sliding away from the from the top list before this weekend, and then he just went off for, for I think four touchdowns and a stupid amount of yards and. That's like you say, propelled him right back up there. But I think he, of this list, he needs to continue to absolutely ball out, yeah, as to not fall away in relevance. Because because then he's not a quarterback. You know, Bryce Young, regardless of whether he has a good game, the same as C.J. Stroud. If they don't have good games, then you still see them. They're mm-hmm. still relevant because they're part of the game. Whereas if Kenneth Walker disappears for a game because they they go away from him if they're down or something like that, then he could, even if he has an okay game, he could fade away because of not being relevant. Whereas the quarterbacks are always there. They're always on the screen. They're always visible. And yeah. I think that's what perhaps keeps them a bit more relevant in the Heisman race. But that's very true. Yeah, I'm looking at his schedule as well. Sorry, it's not Ohio have got Purdue next week. Michigan State have got Purdue next week. They are a good defense, so that's going to be a tough game for Walker. If he can, if he can ball out, then that'd be great for him. They then go to Maryland uh, before finishing up with Ohio State and Penn State. So if the if the Ohio State defense that turned up against Penn State this week turn up, and of course the Penn State defense, which are good, if he can, if he can, if he can ball out like he has done so far this season against those four teams. He's going to do himself a lot of favors, but like you say, he's going to have to do that to still be in consideration. Whereas the two, the, the three quarterbacks that are, that are currently sat here, can potentially get away with it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks to see if anything flips there with those guys because there's some big games, like you say, coming right on up. Talking of of anything flips, as we mentioned, the playoff rankings are out tomorrow night. If you're just joining the live stream or pod. Now, I don't know why you'd be joining the pod now, but if you're joining the live stream, we're not going to miss the news because this will be out by then. Yeah, There's going to be some movement in the rankings. Ash, let's talk 25 through to 1. I'm going to try not to steal any of your comments from the underneath as you have so diligently <laughs> written these out. I will let you mention them as and when they come. Do you want to go first or second? Um, I will go... I'll go first this time. I don't okay. remember who did it first last time we Me did neither. this. So I'll just go first. But to start off, at, to start off at number twenty-five, we have uh, a new ranked team that is Fresno State, who currently sits seven and two. At twenty-four, Louisiana Lafayette are also new into the rankings with a seven and one record. SMU have dropped a few spaces, a few places from last week. Yeah, with uh, a seven and one record, they were nineteen last week. They are now at twenty-three. Penn State continue to drop down. They've gone to 22 after the loss to Ohio State and currently sit at 5-3. and I'm very surprised to see them still in the rankings, if I'm being completely honest with you. As a team that's got three losses, it's rare that you see that that happen. I think they started the season so well, that's what's kept them in. But there's probably some teams that have dropped out or are on the the bubble that could maybe feel a bit hard done by that, that Penn State are still sat there and they're not. And at 21, Coastal Carolina continued to drop as well. Uh, they were t- sorry, they've gone back up from their drop last week. They're at 21 with a seven and one record. They were at 24 last week, so they bounced back a little bit. But of course, they were they were 16 a couple of weeks ago before that loss um, to App State. But they've rebounded slightly. Yeah, the, the SMU loss was a bit of a shocker. 
they yeah. that we didn't expect them to lose that one. We thought they'd go uh, undefeated until the Cincy match up, and that obviously hasn't happened. So Tanner Mordecai still bowled, bowled out though, and it wasn't it wasn't all bad news for SMU on that one. And then the, I think the only thing other thing I was going to touch on of those five was the Penn State. I, I just don't see how a three-loss team can be in the top twenty-five now, regardless of of the start of their season. I just think there must be teams behind them that are right there who have a better record mm. that perhaps deserve to, a top twenty-five place. Yeah, I'm just trying to have a quick look now of who 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 are just missing out that that you could potentially say should should now be above. Well, now be you could probably argue all of those teams below Penn State should should be above them to start with. Absolutely. You've then got Pitt who have dropped out this week um completely but because of the because of the loss they took but you could argue that they should probably still be above them. NC State yeah I think that's maybe Wisconsin as well maybe but then we're getting again then to those teams App State Nevada they those, those sort of teams could probably feel a little bit hard done by but we're then we're then all getting to teams that have got two and three losses. So yeah. on one side, yes, maybe. Yes, they've got three losses, but the way they started the year and some of the victories that they did get, maybe that it's justified that they're still there. But I, I find it interesting that if they're that the fact that they're still there and the fact that they're not 25th if they're still there with that sort of record. Yeah. Yeah, right. Starting at 20 for me, I, uh, Houston are at 7-1. They weren't in the top 25, but have vaulted up to 20 after their win at the weekend. 19 is Iowa. They're 6-2. Kentucky again, 6-2. They have dropped six spaces. Iowa also dropped from 9 to 19, so that's a big drop for for Iowa there. Kentucky dropped from 12 to 18. BYU uh, have risen up the rankings from being 25th last week. After their convincing win at the weekend, they're up to 17. And UTSA 8-0 are up to 16 from 23, and deservedly so, because 8-0 is a significant record. Yeah, definitely. I, I, they're one of those teams that obviously don't get a lot of get get a lot of love because of the, the conference they play in, because of the teams that they come up against. But you don't go eight and zero in a season without having someone about you. So I think that 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 rise is is justified in my opinion. Um, and I can't really argue with any of these. I think Iowa the drop is is expected. Uh, yep. They've had a, a couple a, a couple of poor weeks now, so it shouldn't be surprised to see them drop to where they were. Um, and yeah, like you say, BYU bouncing back at the um, after last week and, and getting that result this week and, and rightly so going back up to 17. So no real surprises in this section. It's it's nice to see it's nice to see Houston are now ranked. So this is the first time they've been ranked since 2018. Um, and they also become the 45th different team to appear in the top 25 this season. I haven't had a chance to go back and look at how if that's if that's a lot or if it's not, but the fact it's been mentioned Suggests. I would suggest that it probably is quite a lot for there to be forty-five different teams ranked, and probably shouldn't be that surprising. We've seen some, we've seen some shock, shock results. We've seen some teams perform a lot, a lot better than expected, and there's a few more of those in this that we haven't even got to yet. So, yeah, maybe shouldn't be that surprising to see that that is the number already forty-five. But yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a hell of a lot, um, regardless. Yeah, I I was going to ask you if you knew what the record is for seasons in the top 25 since the poll started, but obviously you don't. 
I think 45, if you think of a general season, how it doesn't really change in the top yeah. 10, really, then 45 seems like a huge number. You think of the change we've seen in just the top 10, let alone the top 25. This season has been mental. And I think whilst I would suggest that 45 isn't the most ever, but it feels like it's up there as one of the most. I w- yeah, I would be surprised if it's not. Um, I'm just I was having a quick look there now, but I can't. It's nothing's jumping off at the page. It's just coming up, coming up our individual programs. So, well, there, we'll there some... you well, yeah, it, we'll do some digging. Reese, uh, we'll Rush Nation, digging, if yeah. if you wanna, if you know the answer to that, jump into the comments right now. Or if you're listening to the podcast tomorrow, then you know, at us at Five Yard College, let us know. We're here for we're here for that kind of information because. Ash, when he did the Lonely Hearts with Tom last season, was all about the history and the facts. So if you can yeah, drop exactly. some knowledge on us, we will hugely appreciate it. Ash, Definitely. over to you. Over to you at 15. Yes, 15 to 11. At 15, Ole Miss have dropped from 10 after the loss to Auburn this week. They currently sit at 6 and 2. Baylor are at 14, jumping up two spots from 16 with a 7 and 1 record. They've bounced back from the loss they took uh, in impressive style so far. Texas A&M move up one to number 13 with a 6-2 and two record. And that victory for Auburn over Ole Miss, see them jump back from 18 into 12. And rounding out the, um, well, just outside the top 10, is Oklahoma State, who jumped up from 15 with a 7-1 and one record. And again, probably, I wouldn't say there's any real surprises in this one either. Um, to be honest with you, I think with the, the the teams that are there, the way they perform this year, and the teams that they've the, the the teams with the losses and the losses that they've taken, I think this eleven to fifteen is probably fair. That that Auburn Ole Miss game was was an exciting game, and it was two high powered teams that that obviously one of them one of them won out uh, at the end of the day. And I think it's probably justified that Ole Miss have dropped the five spots from from the top ten. Yeah. Uh, question, Ash. I can't remember whether you're a fan of coloured artificial pitches or not. Oh, yeah, I love them. Tom is the one who hates them. Right. Okay, Tom, yeah. you're going to have to ignore this next passage because we're going to talk about Baylor's field. I didn't realise that the Baylor field is green, so it's not outlandish, but it's striped in bright and dark green every yeah. 10 yards. It is fantastic, and that is coming for someone who is colourblind and can't see green. The fact that the 10 yards are not only marked out by lines, but striped in bright green. And with the sun beating down on that pitch, it looked magnificent. I was I am here for the Baylor pitch. Absolutely loved it. I caught some of that game against Texas. Baylor absolutely dominated the Longhorns. Mm-hmm. Dominated the Longhorns. And Texas have now been outscored in the second half. Something stupid like 70-odd to 20. Texas are capitulating in the second half. And... I'm quite a fan of it, if I'm honest, because it's making for good football games late on. Yeah, I think there's been a few uh, there's been a few people that have been coming out about Sarkeesian this week after after that loss in particular, because he basically broke a number of records that you probably wouldn't <laughs> want to break. I think it's uh, I think they were comparing him to Tom Harmon, and there was something like he um, Sarkeesian's already given up more points in a single like uh, a point like thirteen point deficit. He's already given up. a the most in a single game and yeah there was a there was a there was a quite a few stats that were being thrown about about Sarkeesian and his uh his start his start to his tenure at uh, Texas that that people have been quick to jump on so yeah I mean the the 
Baylor played well. They looked really good. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah, they had a great game, to be fair. It was a deserved win if you go back and watch it. Um, At 10, we've got 8 0 Wake Forest. They're up three spots from 13. Yeah. I mean, how it's fantastic for Wake to be in the top 10, Ash. I'll let you get to that in a minute. But for me, Michigan have lost. Wake Forest haven't, regardless of schedule. Like, this is where it starts to get sticky for me. Michigan, they are at nine, drop three spaces from six. Then you've got Notre Dame, who are up from 11 to eight. Oregon stay at seven, and the Buckeyes drop one to six, even though they got the win because the Michigan State Spartans beat Michigan. They're eight and oh, and they've risen up to five. Ash, that's your first one for you for free there. Of of that lot, does anything sit uncomfortably for you, or do you think it's it's well by uh, position right now? Um, I agree with you. I don't feel that that Wake Forest should be at eight, and you've the likes of Michigan, Notre Dame, Oregon, may, Oregon, and, and Ohio State. Maybe I think Ohio State took a loss to Oregon. Um, I can't remember who Oregon lost to now. It's it's Stanford. Me Stanford. Okay, so yeah, I mean Michigan and Ohio State have lost to two teams that were there with them in the top. So I understand why they're still ranked where they are. Michigan surprised me a little bit more because they've not this season, barring maybe one or two games that they were expected to play very well. They haven't, they haven't been great. And they let this, they let the league go. We'll get onto the Michigan state Michigan game a little bit later, but they let that lead slip in the way they did. And to still be nine and for Wake Forest to be below them. I think Wake Forest, once again, despite the fact they finally got into the top 10, which is their best ever ranking in their program history, they reached 11 in 1945. Um, And until this week, they were the last remaining Power 5 conference team that have never been ranked in the top 10. So this is a historic moment for them, but I still feel they can feel hard done by. I would argue that at the very minimum, they should be eight above Michigan and Notre Dame. And then you could probably have the argument about Oregon and maybe Ohio State as well. I think Ohio State have really picked up since that Oregon game and they've looked a lot better. But I still feel Wake Forest are being hard done by, regardless of their schedule, which you mentioned earlier. Obviously, they played Duke this weekend, beat them handsomely. They beat Army in that high-scoring thriller last week. That was a good game. They haven't played those teams. They haven't played one of those big teams once yet. And then we've mentioned it multiple times. These four games are the big games for them now. UNC. Yeah, but I was was just going to bring it up, Ash, because I was looking at their schedule when doing the the ACC review yesterday. They've got four games left. Of these four games, how many of these do you think are viable winning games for Wake Forest? And I'm going to ask you this on on the pretense that of the four teams, I would say there was only one elite defence they are going to face in Clemson. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. get to these four teams in a minute. But can you tell me the last time they scored under 35 points this season? Who? Wake, Wake. Forest? Yeah. Are they, uh, they haven't, have they? They haven't, exactly. They right. scored 35 over 40. I mean, yeah. they scored, they've got the ability. Army, tricky team, not as good as some of the teams they're going to face, but they scored 70 points. They've got the ability to score stupid points. Mm-hmm. Of the next four teams, UNC, they tra- so they've got UNC this weekend. They then travel to NC State. They then play Clemson uh, at home and finish yeah. with a game at Boston College. 
of those four teams, how many do you think are winnable? You would argue that they are all winnable. With the way that Wake Forest have been playing this year, I think NC State and Clemson are the two, for me, um, that are going to be the most interesting. UNC, are just they haven't really got it this year, unfortunately. They 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 picked up some they picked up some good results. They 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 narrowly lost to to Notre Dame this week, and and they narrowly lost the week before to sorry they narrowly won the week before to Miami. They've been picking up results, but they're not the same team. So yeah. I I would expect Wake Forest to to beat them. I think it'll be a high scoring game, but I would expect Wake Forest to beat them. NC State are one of those bordering top twenty five teams. They are just on the outside looking in. I think that's going to be an exciting matchup. But again, I think Wake Forest have got enough to overpower them. We've seen Clemson this year. They're not the same team that we've seen in years gone by. I think that's the biggest banana skin for Clemson, uh, for, for um, Wake Forest, which is crazy to say that, that, that Clemson might be a banana skin for Wake Forest to have a perfect year. Who would have thought we'd been saying that three months, four months ago? But I think that's that's probably the game that I feel that they'll probably drop I think they'll get they'll have, they will get a loss on their schedule, and I think it'll be that one. I'm not overly concerned about Boston College. They gave they gave Clemson a good game a few weeks ago. Nah. Yeah, I don't know. I, if if it's if it's going to be anybody, it is going to be um, it's going to be Clemson. I think UNC should be. A, I wouldn't say a comfortable win. I think it's going to be a high scoring game, but I I, I I see Wake Forest winning that one. I think NC State's going to be a close game. High scoring, but a close game. I do think they're going to lose to Clemson. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I think it's probably going to be the only game this year they have under 35 points, if I'm being honest. And I think Boston College should be an easy victory. Yeah, see, we differ here. The UNC, you've got that bang on. I think they'll beat UNC in a high scoring game. I think they, of these four games, they've only got one away game, and that is at NC State. If they were travelling to Death Valley to play Clemson, I would think that that would perhaps be their loss because it's no easy feat going down there, especially against the Clemson defense, which is still good regardless of how bad Clemson are playing on offense. I said it when Pitt beat Clemson. All you have to do is score points. If you can score points, you can stay ahead of Clemson. And I think Wake have got the offense with with the run game and the pass game at the moment to to be able to score enough points to beat Clemson at home. They're, they're going to absolutely annihilate Boston College because yeah. without Phil Jakovic, they are struggling. The game for me is NC State, travelling to NC State. NC State have got one of the best defences in the country and I think I think that is their banana skin. Because you can't, I don't think you can call Clemson, regardless of their current record, a banana skin because you, you play Clemson knowing what you're playing. Whereas that NC State game, that could be the, the trip-up game. But let's, let's, let's say they win all four, Ash, and yeah. they are 12-0. <laughs> We've seen a Clemson dominate the ACC in recent years and make the playoffs. Would Wake Forest make the playoff if they're twelve and zero? Um, the, the no. The only way that will happen is if one of the the teams above them slip up. Now, I think they could. I think if they win, if they beat UNC next week, I think we could probably see them move up to maybe seven or eight next week, depending on how comfortably they beat UNC, regardless of the teams above them. But I feel like the only way they're now going to get into the playoffs is if one of those teams in the top four that we've got onto in a minute slip up. And there's probably teams above them already that if one of those teams do slip up, that that will take it before them. <clears throat> and it's again, it's down to schedule. But 
as we say, this is this is now where they're getting into those big games, but they're getting into these big games. These three of these four games are big games, but there's no ranked teams there. They won't that's, have faced they won't have faced the a ranked kicker. team this year at yeah. all. And teams above them have, and that will be what what keeps them out of the playoffs, unfortunately, unless there's a capitulation of teams above them. They're going to have to, unfortunately, rely. If they even if they go undefeated, they're going to have to rely on teams above them to slip up for them to to get into the playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah, it, I uh, I would feel really bad for Wake if because at that point other teams might have dropped the game. You know, Cincinnati yeah. they haven't looked as good. Oklahoma could well lose. Michigan State could lose because that Big Ten. There's going to be some movement there. Ohio Ohio State have already got that loss. As well as they're playing, there is banana skins on their schedule running in. I, yeah, I, uh, I really, I would feel hugely harsh for them if at twelve and zero with teams around them having losses if they weren't squeaked in just because of, you know, yeah. it, it, we've seen Clemson do it. They've they've run the ACC. I get granted they've played ranked teams and the ACC has been better than it is this year, but it'll be interesting to see the. Um playoff the playoff rankings t- tomorrow night um that will probably look slightly different to what we're looking at here and i wouldn't be surprised to see wake forest a little bit higher on that um but yeah it's they they, they again we've mentioned it a few times but they can feel hard done by where they are now and they could well be felt hard done by at the end of the year depending on on how their how their last four games goes and how up for the other four games goes but like you say michigan michigan state ohio state all have to play each other there's Mich- Ohio State have still got both of them. Michigan and Michigan State have already played. Uh, Michigan State have still got Ohio, and and of course, obviously, Michigan have, have still got um, Ohio as well. So, and Penn State as well. Let's not forget Penn State. And Penn Those, State, yeah. And regardless State. Of, of Penn State's current twenty second position, they're no rollover. Like, no, definitely not. And I think Michigan State have got them, and possibly Michigan still have them to play. I'm not sure off the top of my head if Michigan do. I know Michigan State still do. So, and um, yeah, it's yeah. The Big Ten is is an incredibly competitive um, conference this year. Ohio have still got Purdue to play as well, who have had a great year up until this point and were ranked a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, uh, we could uh, quite easily see Wake Forest move up to maybe even number five, depending on fic- other fixtures around them in the next few weeks. Absolutely. Shall we? Uh, you've you've got the top five, mate. I, I I gave Michigan State a five, but the rest you of yours, did, you, yeah. can, you can finish it off. Yeah. So Michigan State are at five after their win over Michigan. They've jumped from eight, and they have a perfect eight and zero record. Oklahoma are still perfect on the year with a nine and zero record, and stay at number four. And the top four is unchanged at the moment. Alabama remain at three with a seven and one record. Cincinnati keep hold of their number two spot with an eight and O. And of course, Georgia are the unanimous number ones for a fourth week in a row, I believe. And they continue to stay perfect with eight and O. And really an absolute drubbing of Florida that, that could probably have looked a lot worse and maybe should have done. But no real surprises. I think some people might have been surprised that Michigan jumped as high as they did. Um, but they came back against that Michigan team who were sat at number six. They they turned around. I can't remember how many points it was exactly. Um, I've got it. I've got it down in my notes for, for later. But they, they turned that game around, turned it on its head. Kenneth Walker, we already spoke about, was unbelievable. And I think five is justified for them that you could probably argue they them and Ohio State are the top two teams in the conference at the moment. And then you look at the the record and 
Michigan State should be above Ohio State at this present moment. So I have no complaints about them being at five at all. No, me neither. I think I think it's all spot on, mm-hmm. regardless of the only the only one. It's fair because of how good Alabama have been. But if Oklahoma had have been better in their wins, they probably could be sat above Alabama right now because Alabama have that loss. Yeah, but I think with, with, with Oklahoma's wins, they have not won convincingly. Yeah, and and Alabama have been have been good apart from that last minute I, field goal. I think I think Oklahoma could probably be sat second if they were more convincing in their wins. But exactly. as you say, they haven't been. They have got a very interesting. Obviously, they've only got three games left because they haven't had their bye week yet. I think they are. This is their bye week this week, so they won't be playing this weekend. Um, could be interesting viewing. They could potentially drop spots without playing this week and, and teams around them playing. Um, but they then have got Baylor, um, Baylor, Iowa State, and um, one other. Right? Oh, they finished with the derby, the, the, the rivalry game against Oklahoma State. So they, they're still playing two ranked teams in their last three games. And then Iowa State, who were just on the outside there, but they were in last week. They dropped back out again. They've still technically got three top ranked teams left to play this year. And they haven't looked overly convincing, but they're putting up lots of points. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting run for Oklahoma. And I think if anyone's going to drop out, it's probably going to be, it, it's, it's going to be them. I think Cincinnati, as you say, they haven't looked great this year. I don't know what their schedule is like to, to, to finish out the year. But I think if we're going to see a change in the top four, in my opinion, it's going to be it's going to be Oklahoma dropping out. Um, Cincinnati have Tulsa, South Florida. They still have SMU to play and East Carolina. So that SMU game, second last game to, to, to end the year, is a big one for them. Yep. But they could arguably finish perfect on the end of the year as well. But yeah, I think if anyone's going to drop out of the top four, in my opinion, it's going to be Oklahoma. I can't see Bama dropping any more games. I can't see Georgia conceding any more points, <laughs> let alone dropping any more games. So Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. It's 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 leveling out nicely. So we I mean tomorrow night's the, the big one when we find out the playoff rankings and some yeah. what changes and how the playoff voters see Cincinnati. Are we still going to see them at two after their average wins of the last couple of weeks? I think that's going to be the interesting one there. Anything I we've not touched on, Ash, with so your notes at the bottom? My notes, yeah. So my notes are not strictly AP rankings, but they're related to wins and losses. So I thought I'd add it onto the end of this. <clears throat> so there are only six teams that remain undefeated in the FCS to, uh, in, and we're only in November. That's almost unheard of we usually see uh, over we see double figures usually at this point but there are only six teams left in the ACC we've got Wake Forest in the Big Ten Michigan State Big 12 Oklahoma SEC Georgia and AAC Cincinnati and then in the Conference USA is UTSA Um, and I have put there's none in the Pac-12 that that are undefeated (laughs) there it is (laughs) <laughs> Only six teams undefeated on the year already in November is crazy to see. As I say, we've usually got a couple of SEC teams. We've usually got a couple of ACC teams. Yeah, this is this is a this has been a crazy season. And then on the flip side, there's only two teams in the whole of the FBS, uh, sorry, the FCS that are winless through nine games, and that is UNLV, the University of Las Vegas, and Arizona, who both sit zero and eight. So I thought that was a nice another little interesting bit of information that just shows how wild this season has been that, that there's so few teams perfect 
and there's so few teams with uh, with 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 zeros that's again we usually see quite a few more than that at this point. Yeah, and Arizona came really close a couple of weeks ago against, against Washington. That, that yeah. they could have walked away with the dub there. Definitely, uh, George. I would just—I know you're listening, mate. I would like to point out that Ash has put "ha ha" at the end of "no Pac-12" <laughs> on the notes. So take that one, son. We're not talking Pac-12 today. Ash, do you want to run through some results? I uh, here's it. We can split this two ways. Okay. We can run. We can run through the results, or we can just pick out our focus games and talk a little bit of showdown because we are running long already. So we can do results, and that will do. Or we can do some games and then a little bit of showdown. Where do you want to go? Let's do. I mean, we've already covered a few of the games, so let's do showdown and results. Why don't we mix it up a bit? Sorry, showdown and um, oh, was, focus was, games. I was going to say, you, yeah. you've, just, you've just thrown just, out another option that wasn't no, there. No, no. He's, no, I'm just going to do what I want. I'm we'll, back. I'm doing what I want. <laughs> we'll do showdown and focus games. And All right, we'll, let's talk we'll, some we'll focus games. You, you had some notes on the Michigan-Michigan State game, Ash. I did, yeah, and I would hope that most people have at least been able to see the highlights of this game because it was a wild one, to say the least. We've mentioned about Kenneth Walker, who had just an absolutely dominant display on in this game. 197 yards, five touchdowns. Five? Um, yeah, 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 five, five touchdowns. Crazy. He he did it all for Michigan State in this game. And I think he he actually he topped over 200 yards in scrimmage. He only had like 11 yards receiving. He caught like two balls or something. But he had over 200 yards from scrimmage, five rushing touchdowns. There's a reason this lad is being spoken about, as we mentioned <laughs> earlier in the Heisman Trophy, because he is he has just been lights out and he was again today. And Michigan State threw this sorry, Michigan threw this game away. They were I think they were 13 points up at one point um, in the first in, into the second quarter, and then from there they just Michigan State took over, and then it looked as though Michigan were going to be able to hold out, and then in the final quarter Michigan State just just pulled away, and it, it all came down to it all came down to that fourth quarter. Michigan State put up 14 points. Um, Michigan actually forced a fumble. Um, sorry, they. Sorry, Michigan um, forced a fumble on their own thirteen um, on their own thirteen yard line, so that lost them the game. They still had a chance to win it, but it was it was such a back and forth game. And as I say, Walker, you can't look past him. Peyton Fawn didn't have a great game. Didn't need to. Didn't need to. <laughs> he was he was a bit he was poor in the first quarter in particular. He he threw two interceptions, and the second interception, I just don't know what he was thinking. The, def- the defensive lineman, it hit him in the head and he didn't even jump up that high. <laughs> Fawn had seen his read and just, uh, and, and he throw- he's thrown the ball and he's literally like, not the, the, the defensive lineman's not even had to jump. It's just smacked him in the face. It's bounced up in the air and another defensive lineman's picked it up. So Fawn didn't have a great game, but fortunately Kenneth Walker did, yeah. um, had, a, had a beastly game and the Michigan State, defense had it had a had a great game as well and it's another game where michigan where michigan have been ran close and unfortunately this time the the defense and offense in front of them have, have done enough to uh to, to to see this game out yeah it, it, i've not seen any of the highlights and yet i need to go back and watch it because it sounds bananas and just mm. to see anybody score five touchdowns is something to behold so that's definitely on the tick list let's talk some cocktail party Georgia, <coughs> excuse me, Georgia ran out 34-7 winners in this one. It was yeah. it was scoreless for quite some time until there was a bit of a, 
uh, are falling apart for for the Florida new boy. 24 minutes, 24 points in two minutes, I think it was. Three <laughs> minutes, something like that. Yeah, Anthony Richardson, the freshman, unfortunately, it fell apart um, in this in this um, second quarter. Uh, and Georgia, the Georgia defense just took complete advantage of him. He had a fumble. Uh, he had a, a couple of interceptions. The fumble was... The fumble was um, great play from the Georgia defense, but at the same time, Richardson can feel a bit hard done by that the rules changed. So the, the rule change now is if a player still has forward momentum by being pushed, which is what was happening, the Georgia defense and Florida offensive line were pushing Richardson forward. As long as there's still forward momentum, the referee will not stop the play. And because of that, Georgia, all the time while still pushing at uh, Anthony Richardson towards their own goal line. It, it was in it was in um, Florida's own ten yard line at this point, but they were going the opposite way. They were giving Richardson more yards, but all the while, I can't remember exactly who it was, but one of the Georgia the de- de- um, de- defensive players had, had stripped the ball out from Richardson and, and taken it away from him. So great defensive play, but at the same time, unfortunate for Richardson that he's been stripped the way he has in in the middle of this almost brawl that was moving forward but yeah he he had a really really poor showing unfortunately and some some little mental errors against a team like Georgia you're never going to get away with it and I would say I wouldn't say Georgia were fortunate because they were by far and away the 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 better team in this game and their defense is is unstoppable but Stetson Bennett did not have a great game he, much like Richardson, made some really silly mistakes and some silly throws. There was a couple of times where he's gone for a, he's gone for a throw where it's quite clear from the outset that his read is not open. He, at one point, I think it was his first interception. The Florida defensive back had four yards on the on the Georgia wide receiver, and Bennett's still taken. They're still gone for the the pass, and by the time the Florida receiver uh, the Florida cornerback has intercepted the ball there's another Florida cornerback there as well waiting so <laughs> just some really silly mental errors by Bennett but unfortunately Zamir White the running back for Georgia had a great game over 100 yards on a touchdown and and the Georgia defense is just is disgusting they are it's ridiculous I think they've not allowed I think 13 points is the most they've allowed this season so far uh, and we mentioned a few weeks ago that they've given up four touchdowns all year. Obviously, they gave up another one today, but yeah, they, they've they've not allowed more than thirteen yards in in a, in a single game, and they ran away with this in, in in from the second quarter. They got those 24, 24 points before halftime, and then they just went into autopilot from that point. They put they put up another field goal and a final touchdown to end the game to to to, to see it out. And they were so close to a shutout on Florida. Um, they were so close to putting to, to for Florida to have a zero right up until um, I think it was there's a couple of minutes left to play and Emre Jones had ran it in. Um, but yeah, they, they almost got the shot out and it, it was never really close from 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 late into the second quarter. Georgia were always in control of this game. So Stetson Bennett's obviously been in for relief of JT Daniels. Do we think if JT Daniels is fit, this is his return point? Stetson Bennett has done everything he needed to, looked good up until the Florida game, had some issues. Do we see JT Daniels come in now 
on the push to the playoffs and then be playoff ready? Or do we think they stick with what's working and Stetson Bennett gets the, the run? It's really, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? I think because Bennett up until this point has has looked has looked pretty capable. He'd only thrown two two interceptions all season up until this game. He, he mm. he's now on four. He doubled the amount of interceptions he'd thrown. He's got sixty six or sixty five percent pass completion, and he's looked relatively comfortable. But at the same time, this Georgia defense has been so dominant that he he can just look comfortable and obviously their running backs are good enough for him just to not really need to do anything but I can't see we've mentioned this before I think you were of the opinion that Daniels would come back and start when he's fit I think they're going to ride it with Bennett until Bennett makes a real bad mistake this week didn't help him but before this week he I think he's one of the most efficient passes in the SEC which as I say it's not hard with this team around him but the numbers he's been putting up and 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 the uh, up until up until Saturday have been good enough. And I, I think it will be a big call for them to take Bennett straight out and put Daniels in. I have a feeling we will, I have a feeling they'll probably give Bennett a, a game and then maybe bring Daniels in at, ha, at half time or something like that when Daniels is fit and see what happens there. I can't personally see them just taking Bennett straight out and putting Daniels in. Yeah, that's fair. The only way Florida, well, I think, we're going to win that one is if Georgia didn't score a defensive touchdown and and they got a 60-yard pick-six return. So that, that yeah. sealed the deal early in that first half. Ash, last game, Ole Miss lost 31-20 to Bonix and Auburn. Was this a good performance by Auburn? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think this was more of a poor, I wouldn't say poor, but this wasn't Matt Corral's best performance. Right, he wasn't very good in this game, and Bonix, despite only putting up one score through the air, um, he put two on the ground. But Bonix always put scores on the ground. I, I think he was good enough to overcome the Ole Miss defense, um, and the Auburn defense were good enough to stop Corral on the day. I think Corral had a had a had a poor game. Auburn turned up a, a, as a whole against Ole Miss. Um, across the board, they 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 played well, um, and they were deserved winners. And they got out to a, I think it was a, I think it was a fourteen three lead in the first quarter. Um, Ole Miss came back in the second quarter to to get it tight, but from I think by that point it was it was almost done. Um, uh, I think by half time you you you'd seen that Auburn were gonna we're gonna see this game out. Their defense is good enough, and Matt Corral wasn't in wasn't on at his best on on the day. I think it was evident that Auburn were gonna see the game out. Um, I think they I think the Auburn defense, as much as Corral looked, I wouldn't I wouldn't say poor, but as much as Corral looked slightly off the ball to that uh, off the boil in that game, I think Auburn planned the defense well against him as uh, as much as they struggled as much as Matt Crowell struggled on the day um, Interesting. also he also got hurt as well which didn't help um but i think he just yeah he just he, lo- he looked off um he looked off from the start it, and yeah didn't do his uh, didn't do his Heisman um, odds any favors unfortunately no absolutely not right ash it's got to that time i can't wait to talk showdown as always <laughs> you are in control of this I don't have it in front of me. Let's talk some showdown. Yeah. And we had a we had a win between well you played Jack in the showdown. Yeah. Jack is currently leading. 
Late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, yeah. the score was exactly even. Yeah. Exactly even. And then I presume some sort of stat correction happened and Jack gained an extra yard. He gained an extra summit somewhere, yeah, because, like you say, it was 137.7 tied on Saturday night. And then all of a sudden, Jack is at 137.8 and he's got the win. Uh, oh, it's crazy! Like this, the like I think you said earlier, it's the closest. It's the closest yeah. result you've ever seen. Point one of a point. Point one of a point has decided this game. And I yeah, think somebody's been given a yard somewhere. Somebody's been given an extra yard. Yeah, they must have done. There must. There must have been a like you say a stat correction last yep. minute after the game had finished, and uh, and unfortunately that was the, the decider. And yeah, I. It's a shame that CJ Stroud didn't have his best game against Penn State because if he was on form like he has been all year, I would have comfortably won this game. But he only put up 20 points, so it made it a lot more interesting. And then, yeah, both to be fair, both both of our both teams. I mean, we didn't have the best weeks overall, to be honest with you. Um, only one player on each side had over 25 points. For me, that was Jake Bentley, my Southern, my South Alabama quarterback, and for. For Jack, it was uh, Dylan McDuffie, the um, running back from Buffalo. Yeah, not not the best result all round, and unfortunately, <laughs> point one would have given him his second loss, and it would have kept me positive. But I'm now I've now fallen to four and five, and Jack is still sat at the top at eight and one. So yeah, it's uh, it was a real it was a real kicker to lose it like that. But at the same time, that's why we love fantasy football, isn't it? Absolutely. Jack has, has been the recipient and the defeated of some very close games yeah. the last couple of weeks. So that's going that, I think the Jordan one, the, his only loss on the year was relatively close as well, wasn't it, a few weeks ago? Yeah, it was. So I know he battered Jordan. Who who is who has he lost to then? I'm just he having a quick look. Lost. I I don't know. I he can't tell lost to. Oh, he lost by one point seven points last week to Rich. That's so it. yes, you're right. The last two weeks he has won by a close margin, and he's lost by a close margin. I think a few other results probably to mention. George remains um, hot on the heels of of Jack at seven and two. He beat out. Um, he beat out Adam one hundred and thirty eight to one hundred and thirty four. So another close game. That's ridiculous, um, George. Yeah. You're getting away with murder there, man. He is. Yeah, he really is. And he's uh Travis Dye, the Oregon running back, is uh has, has, has saved him this week and, and and Juice Vaughan. What also saved him, I've just noticed, is the fact that Adam didn't play a tight end. And oh. he's lost by four. He didn't have a tight end to play, um, but also didn't pick one up. So that might have been the decider if he'd have yeah. uh, if he'd have if he'd have had a tight end playing, you oh, absolutely spanked Murph. Yep, over uh, a barrel. Thanks very much. I, yeah, I think next year before we talk about mine and Murph's game, I think we need to have a free agent thing on a Saturday morning because yeah. when it comes to waivers, if you if you miss out on a waiver claim or you don't claim a couple of players of that position with your one player, yeah, perhaps like Adam did, maybe he couldn't field a tight end because he couldn't get one after waivers failed. I don't know. 
there's been some chat in the group about it, so we'll set it up mm. a little bit differently next year. I think so, yeah. Yeah, a little, little bit of a rejig. I mean, to be fair, I think regardless, Murph didn't play a wide receiver because I don't think he was able to. He had one on the bench, but he only put up a single point. But you had Drake London, who, of course, is now up for the year, but he put up 20 points. Caleb Williams put up 44 points. I think he broke a freshman record for the amount of touchdowns. Like for Oklahoma, I think yeah. he broke good for a freshman and he's equal second. Uh, um, Baker Mayfield has scored seven in one game. Obviously, Caleb Williams scored six against Texas Tech. And I think yeah. it's definitely a freshman record for an Oklahoma quarterback. And I believe it's tied now second overall and one behind um, one behind Baker Mayfield. So, yeah, you... you yeah, it it wasn't going to be close. And yeah, Kyron Williams from Notre Dame put up twenty seven points. So, I think regardless of whether Murph was able to uh, to field a full team, probably wouldn't have made a great deal of difference. And uh, you comfortably had the highest score of the week. Yeah, and, and it was left, in your favour this time. Yeah, and I left Letty Brown on the bench as well. I, it was a, a, yeah. a tough one to start between Letty Brown and Hassan Haskins, who's been playing so well. I thought in that game I've got to start Haskins and they just didn't run the ball as effectively as they have done and Lady Brown no, went off. So but hey, true. it didn't very, affect me. No, and it's to be fair, the standards are still very close. Obviously we've still we've got Jackie who mentioned his top eight and one and George just behind him seven and two. And then yourself and Rich are third and fourth with six and three. Uh and then we've got Dougie and Tom both at five and four. And then myself and Adam are at four and five. So it's still really close for those playoff spots. And I mean, even Ollie and Shane are on three and six. So they're still within a shout. It's still only two games back. And I think there's, how many more games is there left on the year? So I think Jack last week said the first playoff game was 12, oh, week 12. Yeah, sorry. So there's only one week left. Two weeks left. There's two weeks left. So... I mean, arguably, yeah, there's still a handful of teams that's still in with uh, with it with a shout of getting into the playoffs. So, yeah, and it's uh, is it six teams? Yeah, six teams in the playoffs. So, two games is it, swing. Is it is it really six yeah, teams? Six teams. Yeah, six into the playoffs. Yeah, same as a uh, same as same as a standard. So at the moment, I am I am on the cusp of not making it this year after making it last year and getting to the semi final. I think. I lost to you, didn't I? Or did I lose to you and Jack beat Murph? Or did no? I think Jack beat you and I beat Murph. That's it. Yeah, and then you and Jack faced in the final. Yeah. So yeah, very interesting. I think you probably. I think you, you and you and Rich, and of course Jordan and um, Jack are, are probably safe. But five to eight, and and arguably ten and nine are still all within a shout of getting into playoffs. But it might even come down to points. So what's the, what's the schedule looking like this week? Who have we got facing who? Is there any games that could possibly be a big swing? Uh, yeah, I have Tom. Oh, yeah. So that could literally be a a, a swing. Um, we'll we'll be on. We'll, if I win, we'll be we'll be tied on our on our results. You have Rich third and fourth. Oh, that that could yeah, be an absolute monster. Yeah, George's got Ollie, who is obviously sat down in ninth. Um, Jack has Shane, who is 10th. So those two teams on three and six. So, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then Dougie, um, Dougie's got Connor, Connor's bottom, who is bottom at the moment. And Murphy's got Adam. So hopefully Murph wins. And then that will, uh, that will push Adam away from me. And hopefully I can beat Tom. 
and Connor can get his second win of the year and and beat uh, and beat Dougie, and then you know, perfect. I'm, I'm right back in it then because I started off, um, I started off three and O, oh, and then I went to four and one. Sorry, four and two, and then I've lost three on the bounce since then. So my season yeah. has taken a massive downturn, uh, and I, I don't know why because I've had. I've got, I've had high scoring, I've had high scoring players across the board. Clearly, my team management has not been great in games. So, yeah, that's the part of the joys of, uh, part of the joys of the the fantasy game. And of yeah. course, I did lose by point one point as well. So, yeah, I mean, the ultimate result for me and Rich this week would be a draw. You know, we'll we'll stick a draw in the column, and yeah. I, I yeah. bet there's someone. Fan tracks who scans the results for all their leagues and just adjusts the yard adjusts here or it slightly, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, we haven't had a draw yet this year, so maybe they do because the cause ties are possible. We do have a we do have ties, so <laughs> we, yeah, it's um, it's madness. And yeah. I'm I, like, college fantasy is fantastic because there is so many players to pick it's from. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if 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 you told me that I've got the leading rusher in in the SCS at the moment in in Sean Tucker. And I picked him up off the waivers for nothing. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's madness. It's absolutely madness. Ash, it's been great to have you back, my friend. Are you off next week or can we expect you two in a row? Uh, yeah, I reckon there'll be two in a row. Oh, uh, well, I, Rush I'm, Nation. I'm quite confident. <laughs> well, there you go, Rush Nation. A little present for you next week. Well, it's been great, mate. Again, had a load of fun. If the fantasy, oh, fantasy, I've got it on the mind now. If the playoff rankings drop and there is some big news, obviously, Ash and I have full-time jobs and we can't jump on as quick as the other pods can get those reaction pods out there. But we may well be speaking later on in the week to just have a rundown of our own personal thoughts through the rankings. Ash, I know you like a bit of stats and history. I'm going to leave you with one as we end the pod. And that is that Bowling Green coach Scott Loeffler became the first coach ever to be ejected last weekend for multiple unsportsmanlike conduct penalties in a single game. He was flagged for penalties on back-to-back drives in the third quarter win over Buffalo and gets his name in the record books as the first coach to ever do that. I can see you feverishly Googling it right now because you don't no. believe me. No, Rush believe Nation. I just want to see it. <laughs> there you go. Look it up. It's quite good. The video is fantastic. Ash, as always, this has been great. Come follow us at Five Yard College on Twitter. Check out the website, fiveyardrush.co.uk, for all the lads' stellar work on the college season so far. It's been an absolute blast. And once again, I'm going to leave you by saying is that Saturdays are for rushing too. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.